Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... Innovation is not necessarily invention. It's not necessarily coming up with new ideas. It's making new things happen, right? It's taking existing inventions and deploying them in a new way, but it's making new change in the world. How does it happen? It happens through diversity of thought, through diversity of experience. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 336 of Impact Boom. My name's Indio Miles, and I'm passionate about communicating the initiatives and enterprises causing sustainable and positive change globally. Today, we're speaking with Pete Denny. Pete Denny is a tech entrepreneur who has founded Best Boy Electric, Move37, and Brum.ai. He was CTO and CPO at Wealth Wizards, is a visiting fellow at Aston University School of Engineering and Applied Sciences. In 2019, Pete Denny quit his successful career in tech startups to devote the rest of his life to fighting the climate emergency and has now founded Climate VC. Climate VC is funding 120 early stage UK-based climate startups over three years to accelerate innovations with global impact to help save our planet and improve life for every person living on it. Their ultimate aim is that at least 10 will be full-scale successes, removing 10 megatons of CO2 a year for each for a decade to achieve a gigaton of impact. On today's podcast, we will be discussing how seed investing equips and supports startups to tackle the global climate change crisis and why purpose businesses are a necessity for driving social progress. Pete, thank you so much for joining us today. It's great to be speaking with you. Thanks a lot for having me. Looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm very excited for this conversation. And to please, just to start off, could you share a bit about your background and then what led to your work in sustainable business? I suppose, first and foremost, I'm a techie. I'm a technologist. I've been working in computers all of my life. In fact, I started programming computers when I was 10. My dad brought me a ZX81 home and I used to go to the shop to buy magazines that were full of programs that you type into your computer and try and make things happen. I then got into tech entrepreneurship. I started a web startup during the dot-com boom. Then I worked for a lot of big American tech companies like some microsystems and Oracle. And I've spent my career building and very large systems, leading large teams and working in startups, founding startups that, that do interesting things with tech. Later in life, I started to focus on artificial intelligence and I built a team most recently that created the world's first AI financial planner. So that's an AI that can figure out what's the best thing for you to do next with your money. In the pension space, we did the first one of those. And then through my consulting, I discovered climate change. Uh, so people have been talking about climate change for decades, mm. only really went through my ears and down into my heart maybe four years ago. And that's when I decided to put like everything else down and focus full-time the rest of my life 
on fighting the climate emergency. Wow. It's a really interesting background there. And it showcases a lot of your diverse skills and all of these experiences that you've had. And now that leads into you being the founding partner of Climate VC. So can you tell us a bit more about the fund and how it is addressing the climate change crisis? So our, our, our theory is that, first of all, I wanted to try and figure out what's the best way that I can show up. Um, given who I am, my, my weaknesses and my strengths and my age and my background, what's the most impactful thing that, that I can do? So I looked at creating a startup myself. I iterated on a few experiments. I looked at some crazy ideas. Can I build a rainforest in, in the desert? And I think you've got to be a little bit of a megalomaniac to think, I'm going to see if I can do something really major in the climate space. But where I ended up, it took me about six months to come up with this, but where I ended up is that in the UK, and in fact, I think in Europe in general, there's a really large groundswell of amazing people who've got world-changing ideas. that They might fail, they're risky, but if they don't fail, if they get to where they want to get to, they could have a serious, huge impact on the climate emergency. And I thought, okay, this is where I can show up. I understand how startups work up. I've been working in startups all my life. I understand how money works. I've been working in finance for a lot of my life. Maybe I can mm. help to fund these early stage startups because I felt that this was the missing piece that, you know, wind power, solar power, electric vehicles, all of those things are very well understood. And therefore there's lots and lots of money flowing into those areas. But if you look at the areas where they are going to be the most impactful, like things to address, like how we grow our food, how we move around, how we make things out of concrete and steel. Those are the most impactful areas. There's not enough money flowing into those areas. And I thought, okay, maybe that's what I can do. Wow. Yeah. It's a really amazing goal. And then all of that experience that you talked about there in that background as well, it's really clear how you're applying that through that climate VC. And you mentioned it there, but a huge part of kind of your skills comes from that startup space. So when you work with entrepreneurs, where do you see they make common mistakes and shortfalls in trying to seek impact investment. And what advice would you have for those entrepreneurs who are also looking to scale their businesses? There's a few. Mm. <laughs> one, of the, one of the main ones is people who are motivated to come and do impact have often very good ideas about what to do, but it, the idea is not enough. It's not enough. You, it needs Ideas don't change the world. Action changes the world. And what this means in this context is, you need to create a business and you need to become somebody who can run a business. You need to change yourself into somebody who can run a business. And that means that you need to be on top of your finances. You need to be able to do a business plan. You need to be able to wrangle with tech. You need to understand how to do operations. You need to be able to sell. Being able to sell is such a large part of what you need to be able to do as a founder so that you can, so that you can inspire people, so that you can hire the best people, so that you can sell to customers, so that you can raise money from investors. There's all of these trappings of being, uh, being an entrepreneur that you need to come along to make your idea a reality. So I think maybe that's, that's the bad news that a lot of founders tend to focus too much on, mm. on the idea and not enough on the actual getting it out there into the world by making it into a business. The good news is that there are many people who are the best in the world at what they do, and they're inspired by this mission of, hey, let's fight the climate emergency. And so there are people of all sorts of walks of life who are waiting to be inspired to come and work on something like this. So I suppose the advice would be to, to try and figure out how to bring people of different backgrounds together to make your idea into a business that turns money into impact. Yeah, and that's a really beautiful sentiment. And I think so many people are now looking for opportunities to do that. And they're looking towards what's the best way 
for them to create that idea that's going to create that impact, but also sustain their own livelihoods. It's so important and really true. And if we're looking at all of these people that you've talked about here, and I'm sure Free Climate VC, obviously you're encountering a lot of people who really care about creating change and about impacting the world around them. But how can individuals most effectively contribute to creating that change and catalyzing change and addressing the problems that matter to them most? I think there's two things. One is if you look at how innovation happens, so Mm. innovation is not necessarily invention. It's not necessarily coming up with new ideas. It's making new things happen, right? So it's maybe taking existing inventions and deploying them in a new way, but it's it making new change in the world. How does it happen? It happens through diversity of thought, through diversity of experience. And mm. I studied innovation at Stanford and they went deep into how do you expose yourself to more diversity? Because if innovation happens at the crossroads, i.e. where there's lots of different people passing by, how do you place yourself there at those crossroads? Mm. So meet artists, meet accountants, meet lawyers, meet crypto bros, and try and listen to ideas from everywhere. And in there, in that kind of big crowd of people with ideas and experiences and backgrounds, there'll be a magic combination in there somewhere that's, oh, this person's a kind of crazy, hardcore accountant, and all they think about is rigor and structure. And that doesn't appeal to me at all, but my skills and their skills together, that will create something magic. I think expose yourself to as much diversity as you can. And the second thing is, kind of, this is so cliche, and maybe all of your guests say this, but be yourself. So that's an uncomfortable thing for a lot of us to do, but that's trying to, that doesn't mean we can't grow, but try invest in ourselves and grow, but try and spend time discovering who we are and be more that. And it might make us feel childish. It might make us feel like we're not, we don't appear grown up enough or we don't appear professional enough, but figuring out who we are and being more that, that is really the magic that we put to the table. And it's the most energy efficient way of being as well because it's so hard to pretend to be somebody else so find what your magic is find what the magic in other people is and discover the combination that really works wow yeah that's some really beautiful advice there for anyone trying to create change and just starting with yourself it's so important if you're going to be that catalyst and you have to invest that time in yourself and listening to other people's ideas and being a part of that community, embracing all of that. So yeah, it's really foundational and well said. Thank you for sharing that with our audience there, Pete. And now if we're looking at these people who maybe they're the people you just talked about who have already thought about being themselves and they've embraced that they want to create that change and they're looking at the opportunities and they're finding the right people. But obviously there's going to be challenges there and there's going to be obstacles. So what kind of obstacles and barriers are obstructing maybe people who are starting out or even really experienced people becoming entrepreneurs from committing to creating positive environmental impact through their activities? I think the biggest one is appetite for risk. Most people would not have the the tolerance for risk to go and start a business, especially a business kind of in the impact space. If you sit down and try to think about all of the things that could go wrong, it's really scary. (laughs) It's really scary. And you will feel, if you're in any way qualified to do this, you will feel like you're not qualified to do it. You'll feel like a complete fraud so you'll see all of these things that could go wrong and you will feel that you're not up to the task and so i i think appetite for risk the willingness to take risk is probably the main thing that distinguishes effective entrepreneurs 
or entrepreneurs in general from everybody else. And so I'd recommend that people try and reduce as much as they can the cost of failure. If this is why things like universal basic income work well to promote entrepreneurship, because they say, listen, there's a floor to how low you can go. You may, your business may completely fail. You, you may completely run out of money, but you're never going to want for a roof over your head and for money. Reducing the cost of getting things wrong means that you can take more risk and risk is what we need to be able to, to do. It also means as you start your business being more on top of where your money's going. If you're quite frugal about what you're spending money on and how long your runway is, how long you can afford to keep running this business plan at this speed, then it means you've got more liberty, more freedom to, to act. Yes, take more risk. It's never going to be as the failures are never as bad as you think they're going to be, but the successes could be way bigger. Think big and lower the cost of failure. That's what I think. Yeah, really. Yeah, great advice there for anyone looking to step into entrepreneurship in general, but also to embrace maybe having that business idea and then thinking about incorporating that social impact, which can be a lot of the time seen as a bit more risky, I guess, is something to yeah. do with business. So, I mean, yeah. if I've got time to say one more thing. Mm, 100%. Um, there's, I think if you're going to be an impact entrepreneur and you're going to try and create a positive change in the world, then I think that should be the focus. We talk a lot about having an equal view of or an equal priority for both impact and financial return or even a triple bottom line. There's three things that we're prioritizing for. But I think that's BS. I don't think you can optimize for three things. I think people who are much more clued into this kind of thing and much more kind of well-regarded in the world believe that if you go for impact, then impact will drive returns, right? So if you create a huge change in the world, like e.g. E Tesla have spearheaded this, this move to, to make the transition to electric vehicles, you can't fail to be very successful financially. If you're creating a huge impact in the world, you can't fail to be successful financially. So go for impact first and be genuine about that. Make the impact mm -hmm. your number one thing and the other, if you can create that huge change, then the financial stuff will follow. Yeah, that's a really great note there to end off that question on as well. That's, yeah, it's great advice there for anyone looking to step into that and to really commit wholeheartedly to creating that change and that impact, which you guys are trying to foster through Climate VC and other organizations. Yeah, really, thank you so much for sharing that, Pete. And we're moving into the end of our interview now. I've just got two more questions to ask. And the first one is, what inspiring projects or initiatives or enterprises have you come across that are creating a positive social change? I come in from a technology background. I'm surprised at how much I like the nature-based stuff. I've been sitting in my bedroom my whole life programming computers with 15 screens around me. Mm -hmm. But I really like the stuff that uses nature and or is inspired by nature to make a big change. So for example, this is one company called FICO Bloom, who they're, they're working on this idea that you can, when you grow things in a vat, when you grow bacteria and algae and that kind of thing in a vat, they produce things. And what this special type of algae will produce an oil that if you can persuade the algae to release the oil into the water that it lives in, you can then scoop the oil off the top of the vat and then use that as aviation fuel. So mm. you, you've managed to convince these algae to, so they create the optimum, most beautiful, wonderful living conditions for the algae. So they're getting everything that they want to eat. They're getting all of the boyfriends and girlfriends and discos that algae enjoy. <laughs> and uh, and they all they do day and night is suck in all of this carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere. And what do they poop out? Oil that you can use for aviation fuel. And they've managed to create this way where you don't need to kill the algae in order to harvest the, the oil. 
So if they manage to pull, and they might not pull it off because everything is risky, but if they do manage to pull it off, then that's a very clear route to us being able to create carbon negative jet fuel. Mm. So that's pretty interesting. Wow. Yeah. Um, another thing that can really help is, sorry, if you ask me about some interesting entrepreneurs and interesting ideas, I'll be able to talk all day. <laughs> awesome. Got time for one more? One more? Yeah, 100%. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. There's, there's a company that I, oh man, I love these guys. And I, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit jealous of the fun that they get to have. They're, they're a venture studio in Paris called Marble. And what they do is they, they're not a fund in that they don't just invest in other people's ideas. They invite incredible people to come and work with them for a few months to come up with ideas that they then build businesses out of. Mm-hmm. Um, so they'll sit there um, editorializing. They're smoking their pipes on their couches, just imagining what the future could look like. And then after a few months, they will hit on an idea. And they'll go and build that. And one of the ideas that they've come up with that they're now quite far down the road in building is this idea of, can you take seawater and use it to hydrate the desert in a very low energy way? And just through sucking seawater up and misting it over the desert, all of the salt comes out quite quickly. And so you're getting this kind of fresh water being dispersed into desert regions to massively lower the temperature. And then after a while, of course, things start to grow. Mm, wow <laughs> two really revolutionary ideas there and and i'm sure a lot of impact to come out of those in the future so really exciting and thank you so much for sharing that pete and to finish off are there any books or resources that you would recommend for our listeners to check out so i'm a climate guy so you know all of the things that i think about day and night are climate and i think a really good there's a really good primer in this space if if people are new to the space and they want to understand what are the causes and what are the understood areas of solution and that's Bill Gates' book. Some people look at that and think, well, hang on, he's a technology guy. He's the guy who did Windows 95. Why would we listen to him? He's just spent the past you know, 10, 20 years speaking to the world's best experts and writing down what they've said. That's a really good primer. More involved and more scientific than that is the Drawdown Project, which uh, it's a classic, but keep updating it all the time. And that's a bunch of scientists from around the world who got together and said, what are the most impactful things we can do to fight the climate emergency? How much will the solutions cost? How much CO2 will they remove from the atmosphere? And how much money will they save? And then they rank them by order of effectiveness. And in there, there'll be things that you expect, offshore wind turbines, and things that maybe are less intuitive, like educating girls is the sixth most impactful thing you can do to fight the climate emergency. So all of that is ranked, and it's available for free on their website, drawdown.org. Wow. And then finally, there's a really amazing course that you can sign up to do called Terra.D, which is a few months long, run out of run out of Stanford University. So if you want to spend some time with some amazing people and learn the ins and outs of what we can do individually to help make a difference in climate, Terra.do. Those are just some really fantastic initiatives and resources that you've mentioned there. And all of that will be linked in at the end of the article. So once people have either listened to our conversation or they've read through the transcript, they'll be able to click on through, check all of that out and learn a bit more about all of the amazing work that's happening out there in the world, including Climate VC as well and some of the fantastic things that you're doing there. So I just want to say that actually brings us to the end of our interview, Pete. And on behalf of Impact Boom, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your generous insights and time today. I've loved this conversation and just can't wait to see all the work you do in the future and really look forward to seeing more. Great. Thanks for having me, dude. It was fun. 
Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.